know that there's going to be a honeymoon phase. There definitely was for me when I was like, all right, I'm going to let myself have anything I want. And it wasn't like I went from restricting everything to just perfect moderation. (laughs) And so getting to this place now where I don't even really think about food, I still love it. And I'm definitely a foodie at heart, but it's not just this obsession that occupies my entire day, which it did for years, which is crazy to think about. But It really was 95% of my headspace, like day in and day out. I think it's diversifying our sources of comfort, but then also getting more comfortable with feeling those negative emotions. Getting off social media is so helpful too, because sometimes I notice when I am feeling overwhelmed, I realize that I'm just taking in a lot of content and a lot of other people's feelings, and I'm just losing track of how I'm actually feeling. This is Elise Mason here with Jamie King. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Activist Podcast. Today, we're talking to Ali Bonner, founder of Queen Co. and creator of delicious granola butter. Ali is sharing her recovery from disordered eating with us today. And we know you'll appreciate her candor and openness as much as we do. She goes into even more details about her recovery on her own podcast, Queencast, which we'll link to in the show notes. Now, over to Allie. We have Allie Bonner here with us today on the Activist Podcast. Allie, can you tell us just a little bit about your background and what your journey has been to finding a happy place with food and your body and I guess really finding a way to love yourself more? Yeah, definitely. My journey really goes back to, I would say like middle school, high school. So growing up in San Diego, I really was aware from an early age of just how, I guess the importance of appearance, I think, especially in Southern California, it's very, yeah, it's just held to a high standard down here. (laughs) Now social media, I'm sure it's similar in a lot of cities, but I noticed it living on the coast and going to the beach, being in a bikini all the time. And also growing up, I played volleyball. So a lot of my friends were really tall, 5'11", 6 foot, and had gone through these like growth spurts seemingly overnight. So a lot of them just were these long, lanky, giraffe-type girls. And then I'm the shortest person on the team, right? I'm the libero, so I'm 5'4", 5'5", and just noticed my body was a lot more muscular and stocky than theirs was. And I thought at the time that was a bad thing. And I was seeing in the media that to be loved and worthy and fit in, you have to look like a Victoria's Secret model. And I just went to the internet and I typed in how to lose the most amount of weight in the least amount of time possible. And I'm like in middle school or high school at this point, And I don't know what's good information or bad. And I'm just getting fed all of this really terrible information that basically was telling me to starve myself. And so I would go to school and I would basically eat close to nothing all day. And I was super active. I was playing volleyball. I was running track. I'm learning. So like taking up a lot of energy with my brain and coming home and just being so famished that I would just like binge eat everything in my parents' pantry. And I just felt so useless and just ashamed and all of these feelings. And I felt like 
I couldn't control myself around food when in hindsight, it just was a biological response to starving myself all day. So it makes a ton of sense why I was doing that. But that kind of continued all through high school. And then going into college, I decided to study nutrition. And that was really for the sole purpose of learning as much as I could about food in order to really turn on myself and master my body and lose weight. And so it really was from a place of fear. It wasn't this like burning passion for nutrition. It was really for the wrong reasons, I would say. And so at Cal, the more that I learned about nutrition, I really became even more obsessed with eating perfectly clean and exercising and over-exercising all the time. It was a negative headspace for me there. But once I graduated, I realized this is not serving me anymore. I am in my early 20s. I should be enjoying my life, going out with girlfriends. And instead, I was staying in, making myself work out when I was exhausted, eating healthy when I didn't want to. It was just a very forced way of living. And so I decided to see a nutritional therapist and she really helped me heal my relationship with food because she helped me shift my mindset around food from a place of calories, grams, macros, to really more of just nourishing my body and honoring my hunger and fullness cues and really leaning into the pleasure principle with food. So much of food is really emotional and filling a need and pleasure. And it's not just calories in, calories out. There's so much more to that. So yeah, that's my journey in a nutshell. And really, I started my Instagram account, which I still run today, to really just document it all and provide a space where other women and men will feel less alone and have a resource and a guide on their journeys as well. Yeah, I think that's so great that you're able to document that and make it a place where people can find something relatable and also to maybe fill a safe space to ask questions. Because as you were talking and I was thinking uh, back to my own middle school, high school experience, I didn't have the internet at my fingertips. It was like AOL dial-up that costs a million dollars an hour. (laughs) And I think in some ways that was a godsend that we didn't have that and we couldn't do that sort of deep sleuthing or had Instagram, this is what your booty should look like or your trim waistline should look like (laughs) to influence us when we were, when you are at such an impressionable age and an age where you're feeling all kinds of feelings and insecurities and just going through a lot of changes. So I, what do you hope for, what do you hope that other young women, especially when they come to your Instagram account, what do you hope that they find there? Yeah, really my goal with my account is just to help other people feel less alone in their journeys. I know for a long time, the hardest part about struggling with all this was just the isolation and the loneliness because it's not something that you bring up at dinner or you really are super open about with your girlfriends. A lot of people are really ashamed and embarrassed that they're going through something like this. And for anyone out there listening that is struggling, I just want you to know you are not alone. There are, I get at least probably like 10 to 15 messages a day from women that are just like, thank you so much. Like I've been struggling with this secretly. And so it's just wild to me how often people struggle with it, but really just don't talk about it. My biggest thing is just helping other people feel less alone. Another thing too is almost providing a resource or a guide or some sort of just mentorship to those that are looking for guidance in this space. Because I think there's a lot of a lot of information online. It's hard to know where to turn. There's people on one side that are doing juice cleanses and fad diets. And then on the other side, it's feeling shame for even wanting to lose weight. And so it's hard to navigate the gray area in the middle. And yeah, just providing a, a resource for people who are in that space as well. 
Yeah, that's so important. And I think it's really powerful for people to have a place where they can relate and find content and also hear a story that maybe resonates with them for something that they're struggling with or going through so that they can yeah, feel less alone and maybe feel empowered to make the same changes that you did. Given the circumstances in the world, wildfire, smoke, quarantine, etc. What would you, how is your relationship with food right now? Like in this current moment and how it has it been hard <laughs> with all of this change in our personal routines and lifestyles? Yeah, definitely. My relationship with food now is honestly the best it's ever been. And it's wild to say that because I was at this place in such a deep, dark hole for so long. And I felt like I was broken and I was never going to heal this thing. Like it was just, I was doomed and destined to just have a messed up relationship with food. And so getting to this place now where I don't even really think about food, I still love it. And I'm definitely a foodie at heart, but it's not just this obsession that occupies my entire day, which it did for years, which is crazy to think about. But it really was 95% of my headspace, like day in and day out. So yeah, my relationship is so much better. I think quarantine and COVID and all that is really thrown a lot of people for a loop, myself included, just with this sort of uncertainty. And I think eating disorders really thrive in a place of uncertainty because it's this like fake control mechanism, at least it was for me, where I felt like if everything else is going to shit, like at least I can control what I'm eating. And so it just, it made me feel like some sort of some false sense of control and groundedness and all of that, where in reality, the food is really controlling you. And you're, I've never felt more out of control when I've been struggling with food. And so it's, yeah, just rewiring that. But I think for anyone struggling right now, just go easy on yourself. There's so much going on right now and you're doing the best you can. And I think it's a very unique time and there's a lot, just a lot going on and not adding that extra layer of stress about what you're eating or how you're approaching food. I think just being gentle and being kind to yourself, as cliche as that sounds, has been really the most helpful for me. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I definitely think that we place a lot of stress on ourselves when it comes to food or the way that we might indulge or, and especially in a time when we are stressed out, because I think we all emotionally eat to some degree and whether we want to or not, it's just a fact we do it. And, and I think during this time, we're doing it a little bit more than we might've before. And I think it's just yeah, we have to give ourselves grace and also just not make food shameful. Instead, just focus on the pleasure aspect of it. And then maybe some of that sort of overeating of it, uh, like for you, that relationship will change. Definitely. Yeah. And with emotional eating too, it's really not this big negative, scary thing, I think that is often portrayed in the media. I think a lot of us will think of like the girl that just broke up with her boyfriend that's like crying on the couch eating Ben and Jerry's. And <laughs> emotional eating can take many forms. I think food is just inherently emotional, right? Like we celebrate at a wedding with champagne and cake. And there's also a lot of times where we use food as a positive emotional experience as well. And I just think that totally removing that and treating food as just this like black or white calories in calories out is just, it's just devoid of so much that food can also offer us. And yeah, I think for me, what's been really helpful is not using food as my only source of comfort. There's definitely times where it's just a long day and I'm like, yeah, I just really want a whole chocolate bar right now. And that's what's going to feed my soul. But then there's other times where it's, I'm just looking for comfort and I really don't need to be eating right now. I just want to take a shower 
get into some comfy PJs, watch some Netflix, and that will fulfill my soul as well. So I think it's diversifying our sources of comfort, but then also getting more comfortable with feeling those negative emotions and not needing an outlet. And that's been really eye-opening for me growing up just with parents that really praised feeling happy and joyful. And I guess I never really learned that quote unquote negative emotions were actually a really beautiful part of the human experience. And so learning to really sit with my anxiety, sit with my overwhelm and boredom and all of that without immediately going to food has been super helpful in my recovery. Yeah. That's so great that you've realized through this, it's not just about the relationship with food, but it's about a relationship with yourself. Cause you mentioned being able to sit with negative emotions and, and be okay with having them. Are there any foods that feel off limits to you? Like things that might've triggered you in the past that to this day, you just can't bring yourself to have in the house? Yeah. So it's really interesting you asked that because my product, <laughs> granola butter, for anyone who doesn't know that's listening, it's basically the texture of a nut butter, but it's oat-based. And so it has this, it hits all of your pleasure receptors or whatever they say. So it's carby and the fat and the sugar and the salt, like it's really delicious and easy to overeat, I would say. And at the time that would have been super off limits for me when I was going through this recovery journey. And I'm sure I overate multiple times when I was formulating this product. But I think the thing that I've learned with foods that are off limits, because now I can keep anything in the house, which is wild because yeah, I, I had a you know similar thing with ice cream where it was like, if I had a pint of ice cream in the freezer, if I took one bite, then the whole pint was gone. It wasn't like a moderation thing at all. And now I can have ice cream in the freezer and forget that it's in there for months. And what's the difference there? What happened? I think the less that I restricted my food and the more that I allowed all foods pending allergies, of course, back into my diet, it made those foods less sexy and less appealing because I think it's just human nature. Anytime we tell ourselves X is off limits, then all we're going to want is that food, right? And it was really just removing the allure and the restrictions from any foods. And I'm very realistic with this too. Like I know that there's going to be a honeymoon phase. There definitely was for me when I was like, all right, I'm going to let myself have anything I want. And it wasn't like I went from restricting everything to just perfect moderation. (laughs) And even now to this day, there isn't, I don't think there's like such a thing as a perfect balance. There was a time where once I let myself have all the things, I definitely overate everything. So it was this like, I hadn't let myself have ice cream for years and all of a sudden it's back in my life and I'm definitely going to overeat it. So basically just allowing the space and giving yourself grace during that time, during that honeymoon phase and knowing that your body will self-regulate and just having so much trust. Like our bodies are so brilliant and I think anyone can attest to this when maybe you've been on the road for a little bit or traveling and you haven't really been eating the healthiest and like all of a sudden you're like, I just need something green. Like I just need a vegetable. (laughs) I can't look at another cup of ice cream or whatever. And that's when our bodies know that you need some nutrients, you need some balance. And yeah, it's really just getting to this place where food doesn't have any moral value. It's not good or bad. There are definitely things that are more nutritious, like broccoli is more nutritious than a pint of ice cream, but they serve different purposes. And I think it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight, but it's definitely possible. Yeah, that's so great. I love that you said they serve different purposes. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at the different foods that we often consume or maybe want to be consuming more of because I do think yeah there is there is the pleasure purpose of food and that often gets the the label of 
shame foods or guilt foods or whatever you hear in media. And so I think it's a really nice place to say eating for pleasure is totally fine. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Oh my God. That's the whole thing is for years, I only treated food as nutrients, as fuel. And I think we hear a lot of that messaging in the fitness space. I'm sure you're aware too. Or when I was growing up being an athlete, it's like food is fuel. And I just... I just disagree with that. Yeah, it can be. And for some people, maybe it is. I know my parents both are very much just eat to live type people. (laughs) Like they are not foodies. But for me, it's so much more than that. It really is connection and pleasure and comfort and so many things. And treating it as just fuel wasn't serving me and wasn't healthy for me mentally either. Because every time I'd go to a restaurant, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to default to the healthiest thing on the menu, this kale salad with grilled chicken. And I would just leave there feeling so depleted in my soul and I would overeat later because I didn't feel satisfied. I'd come home and start rummaging around the pantry and just looking to fill that void. And then fast forward to now, I was just in Santa Barbara with Eric. We went to this hole in the wall Mexican food place. We got these amazing carne asada tacos and the corn tortillas, like the grandma in the back was like hand rolling corn tortillas. And it was amazing. I ate satiety and I was present. I was with friends living in the moment. And I left there feeling so satisfied and so healthy in all of the ways, even though what I ate on paper probably wasn't the pinnacle of health. So yeah, I think pleasure plays a huge role in just our mental well-being. What is your relationship now with exercise? You mentioned orthorexia. What does that look like now for you? In terms of food, my relationship now is just very intuitive. I don't have any sort of restrictions. The only one that I do is I'm gluten-free and that's just because I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is like an autoimmune thyroid condition. And there's a ton of research that the molecular structure of gluten is very similar to thyroid hormone and it can trigger some flares. And I've definitely experienced that. When I was in Israel last summer, I was like, screw it. I'm going to eat all the challah and just be a normal human. right? And about three days into my trip, my symptoms when I flare are really bizarre. I get super dizzy vertigo episodes. I get hand tremors. And it was just wild how you know big of an impact I guess food could have. That said, I think food sensitivities and allergies are really tough to navigate when you're trying to eat intuitively. But at the same time, it's really coming from a place of love and not fear. So it's not me being afraid of the gluten, knowing I can always have it, but just also knowing that in order to treat my body with love and respect and just feel good, I'm going to choose something that's gluten-free, right? So that's my only food sensitivity. But really, I eat super intuitively. And for a long time, I felt like intuitive eating was just like, eating donuts and buns all day and giving into your every whim and desire. And for a little bit of time, if you've been restricting heavily for years, it totally can be. But for me, our bodies are so brilliant. And now I've gotten to the place where it's not restrict myself super heavily during the week and then binge on the weekends. It's like sprinkling in those cupcakes and donuts or whatever it is during the week and then feeling just balanced and good and not feeling like I need to escape the diet that I'm following. So that's what it looks like now. In terms of movement and exercise, it's also super intuitive. Before I was really grinding myself, I was doing high intensity boot camps, like Barry's boot camp, five to six days a week, just really burning out my adrenals, feeling just depleted and exhausted by the time like 2 p.m. hit. And I was really nervous to move towards a more 
low impact way of living. I saw all these women that looked really toned and strong who were doing Pilates and bar and, and even yoga. But for some reason, I just felt like if I did that, I would turn to mashed potatoes and all my muscle tone would just disappear. And I have you know, never experienced a more opposite effect. I just feel so much more energized and I definitely still do a sweaty run from time to time or I'll do some sort of cardio just to get those endorphins because I do love that. But overall, it's just super intuitive. I wake up, I see how I'm feeling. I take a lot more rest days than I used to. And then I just enjoy exercise and movement so much more. It's not this forced thing where I feel like I have to burn calories from what I ate the day before. It's like really more about my mental health, feeling grounded, having some alone time, all these things rather than just simply burning off my dessert or whatever it was. That sounds like a much healthier approach. I've definitely known people who seem to have that sort of relationship with exercise and movement and and don't seem to find a lot of joy in it, but rather more, it feels like more of a forced labor in a way. I'm somebody who really seeks movement for peace of mind and it's moving meditation for me in so many ways. And without it, I would be spiraling out of control. It's just interesting how we each process those things, just like we each process diets or diets in air quotes, like lifestyle in different ways. I'm very curious to know as you've been on this recovery journey and as you are healing your relationship with food and also with movement, are there any people or resources that you regularly turn to when you need extra inspiration or if you're feeling like you're falling off um, in a way? Yeah, absolutely. I think There's people I follow on social media who are really helpful, but also getting off of social media is really helpful. So it's like a two-pronged thing. I think when I'm looking for inspiration and guidance within food freedom and intuitive eating and all of that, there are definitely some accounts that I love following. One is Balance by Molly. And so Molly Alleman, I've had her on my podcast and she's incredible. She's really the woman that changed my whole relationship with food. So she was the nutritional therapist that I worked with when I was just starting my recovery. But then also getting off social media is so helpful too, because sometimes I notice myself like when I am feeling overwhelmed or just lost in the world of recovery and all of that, I realize that I'm just taking in a lot of content and a lot of other people's feelings and I'm just losing track of how I'm actually feeling. So taking some detoxes for maybe a weekend or a couple days during the week has been super helpful. And then again, leaving my phone at home, going for beach walks, beach runs, journaling, meditation, all of those things that are kind of cliche, they really work for me. Just connecting to myself and getting back to my why and like why I chose to heal my relationship with food. Yeah, that's so important. I think the disconnecting is just as important as having people or resources to connect to. I feel like they balance each other really well. If you had to choose one thing that you could eat today, tomorrow, (laughs) for the rest of eternity, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Okay, this is super random, but I love baby back ribs. (laughs) I am just like, I love baby back ribs so much. And what else? And then on more like a plant-based side, I'm just a huge sweet potato fan. Give me what's really good if you, this also sounds weird, but I'll cook a sweet potato and then cool it down in the refrigerator so it's cold. And then I'll just slice them into little discs. And if you put a little pat of really high quality butter and some pink sea salt on top, so good. Ice cold butter, sweet potato, salt. It's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) it's really good. But yeah, those two things, I would say I eat pretty much everything. The only foods I don't love are 
blue cheese and olives. <laughs> and so my boyfriend, Eric, loves both of those things. So he loves to order like blue cheese stuffed olives just to make me squirm. But hopefully one day we'll get there. Just right now, it's not my favorite food. <laughs> I love olives. I'm whatever with blue cheese. I could go either way. My big thing I really don't like is celery. I just don't like it. I can't stand the taste. I don't like anything about it. And I'll never forget um, one time my mother-in-law made this salad and I swear it was like 80% celery. And so I was trying to be like good, gracious guest and not make a big thing about it. And she was really excited for me to eat this salad. I didn't have the heart to say outright, oh, I actually really hate celery. And it was like a plate of raw celery. So I was like, oh, no. So I ate all the other stuff that was in the salad and thought I was being super discreet. I just scraped all the celery to the side. And she looks over and she's like, oh, you're not eating your celery there or something. And I was like, oh, I'm totally caught. And then I had to fess up and it was very embarrassing. Oh, but yeah. I know. I know meeting your significant other's family is very interesting because it's for me, I can be super real with my parents and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want this or mom, I don't like what you cooked. But when you're meeting someone else's parents, you have to be on your best behavior. <laughs> and yeah. I've had so many moments where I'm like, oh, I really don't want to either. Yeah. I don't like what they're making or whatever. And you're, I'm like, all right, Allie, suck it up. Like- <laughs> Mm-hmm. You can do this. Be an adult. You can eat the celery. I know. Yeah. I didn't eat the celery. I couldn't do it. I yeah. uh, I tried a couple bites and I was like, I can't force it. I was going to ask you, what's the strangest, if you care to share, what is the strangest food item that you ever binged on or something that maybe you came back to time and time again? Yeah. I would say it wasn't a food per se, but like I've had some really strange behaviors around binging. I'm super open about this, but, and I like to be just very vulnerable about it because for anyone else who has done this, you're not alone. It's totally normal, weird, but normal. It was Thanksgiving and I was home from college and my parents had some friends over and we had eaten Thanksgiving pie right after dinner. And then I think either they had left or they were in the other room just drinking wine and talking. And I was so strict. Like Thanksgiving was such a trigger for me because it was a whole holiday revolved around like eating. And that was just so stressful for me, especially like the types of foods that you eat at Thanksgiving. I was like, oh my God, these are all my fear foods. And so I remember starving myself all day leading up until the dinner. And then dinner, I was like, I'm only going to eat the turkey and like green beans and salad, like super restrictive. And I was like, oh my God, this pie looks so good, but I, I can't let myself have any. And so I'm like doing dishes in the kitchen and I noticed that one of my parents' friends had basically taken one bite of their entire slice of pie and just tossed it in the trash. And it was like just sitting on top, like just resting. And I had this moment, like this thought where I was like, it's not really touching anything. Like I could just have a little bite of that. And then I was like, oh my God, Allie, no, that's disgusting. What are you thinking? Next thing I know, inhaled the entire slice. And the whole time I'm eating it, I'm not enjoying it. If you've ever experienced a binge, it's almost this like animalistic, like out of body experience. And not saying that just eating one slice of pie was a binge. I think the amount of a binge is typically much more. But for me, it was more like the behavior behind it where I was like so shameful, so guilty. If someone had walked in that moment, I would have been mortified. Yeah. So like eating out of the trash was probably like a weird behavior of mine. But in terms of the food themselves, what I noticed and experienced through my therapy is I was really looking for something that would ground me and calm me down because I have this anxious energy and I would come home from work and I was go all day making decisions, getting shit done. And then I would come home and I felt this like buzzing energy that I just couldn't 
relax. And most people will have a glass of wine, but I wasn't really a big drinker. And so I would turn to food. And so I would look for foods that would really ground me. Like nut butters were always something that I would just inhale because it felt like it really (laughs) grounded me and it was so heavy in my stomach. And yeah, what else? I also would binge on healthy foods. So yeah, sweet potato was something with like nut butter. And I think a lot of times too, people think that binging and overeating is just on unhealthy foods, but a lot of people do it with healthy foods too. I've talked to a lot of people that feel restricted with following Whole30 and then they find themselves binging on roasted vegetables or something. So you really can do it with any food. I think it's more the behavior because you're restricting yourself in some way. But yeah, those were like probably my biggest trigger foods. And again, once I just let myself have whatever the hell I wanted, a lot of those behaviors and and types of things just alleviated themselves. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's always those things that we do when we feel restricted or we really want something and we make it like this big thing in our mind and then you get it and then it's all or nothing. Um, It's like scarcity mindset in a way. I've never, to my knowledge, or at least that I can remember, I don't think I've ever eaten anything out of the garbage, but I can definitely relate to like that sneaky, like eating kind of behavior. And I think we've all done it to some degree, whether we have disordered eating habits or because we feel some sort of weird shame around food because I've definitely done my fair share of that as well. And I promised you when we first emailed and it had been years and years since we reconnected and I had been listening to your podcast and I when I emailed you, I thought, oh, I have to share my own trail mix story (laughs) with you. (laughs) And so I'll do that. And then if you want to hear Allie's trail mix story, you should definitely listen to her podcast at Queencast. We'll put it in the show notes. But when I was in college, one of my boyfriends and I had got this huge jug of trail mix for this relay we were going to do, this like race relay thing. And we were going to bring it until all the van mates could eat it, et cetera. And then I basically like could not resist. I love salty raisins and M&Ms. Like (laughs) I love them. I love the combo of them. I like love everything about the salty and the sweet. And I literally within the next few days just sat there and picked out pretty much every salty raisin and every M&M in that trail mix. And then when my boyfriend was like, oh my God, there's no raisins or M&Ms in this trail mix. And I was like, what are you talking about? Right. I don't know what you're talking about. There's tons in there. And there were like, you know, three. And I did that same thing. Or if you just feel this like weird, immense shame around something, and instead of just being like, yeah, I did that. That was crap. I should get some more so that we're not like just eating peanuts. And then instead of just fessing up, which he already knew I did it, I just like totally pretended like I had no right. idea what he was talking about. So on the flip of that, which is, this is where my story is really going, is what I think is very funny is fast forward to my now husband. (laughs) When we were dating, we had this huge thing of trail mix on my fridge left over from an event. I feel like it's always running events that I end up with these Costco sized jugs of trail mix. Right. And I was, he was living, I think he was living at my apartment at the time or whatever. And I was out of town for a weekend. It was two days. And the trail mix was probably not even halfway gone. It was a lot of trail mix. And I got home and I was like, Ooh, I want some trail mix. And I go to get it. And it's literally the only thing in this giant bucket left is peanuts. He sat there and picked through every cashew, every almond, every M&M, every raisin, and just without any shame, just left a jug of peanuts. (laughs) And when I asked him about it, he was like, Oh yeah. 
sorry, that's right. rude, huh? No shame, just other than he really realized that was probably like a rude move. So I think it's funny how I think just society has conditioned us as women to feel this extra shame around those kinds of things where men just feel like, oh, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Oh, I know. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's I feel like having Eric in my life, who's my partner that just has a very – he has just a very balanced, non-emotional relationship with food. It's been so helpful for me almost to use him as a point of reference for, oh, this is me being dramatic about something or, oh, I'm definitely overthinking this. Because one of my biggest things too when I was recovering was being afraid to eat around other people. So a lot of times like I would eat in – like in college and stuff, I would eat in private it or I would just not want to eat unhealthy in front of other people because I had this image of I'm a nutrition major. I should be eating healthy all the time. And so, yeah, one of my struggles was really worry, I guess, worrying about what other people thought of me and what they what they would think if I ate X, Y, Z. And Eric was just so – like his reaction and response is always just so logical and it's so helpful sometimes because <laughs> he's, Allie, no one gives a shit. Like everyone is in their own head. They're worried about what they're eating. It, it sounds so – so obvious on paper, but I guess when it's in your own head, it feels like this big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's been, yeah, it's been helpful to have him just to bring me down to earth when I'm freaking out about things. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I have to share this because I was like, oh, I relate to this. But also it's taught me how to just be like, oh yeah, I ate all those Doritos and just feel pride in it instead of shame. And that has been my new approach. And I think just as being a woman, I don't want to have my son see me in that way where he's like, oh, mom is always concerned with what she eats or guilty around what she eats. And no, instead, right. oh yeah, I ate the rest of the ice cream. Like I'd rather right. just own it. I ate the Doritos and I enjoyed them. Okay. I don't want to take up too much of your time, Allie, but um, I do want to let our listeners know um, where they can find you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So you can find me on Instagram at avoqueen. So it's A-V-O-K-W-E-E-N. And then our website, if you want to find granola butter, is just queen.co. Great. Thank you so much, Allie. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and I look forward to chatting with you again. Yeah. Thanks so much. This is so fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Activist. We publish new conversations about topics related to fitness, health, and community every week. Please subscribe and review wherever you listen. And to join us for live workshops and movement classes, please visit flexandflow.org join.